We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. Kel Dansby here with the old man, Andreas Hale. A lot to talk about today. Some stuff that's going on right now as we're recording. Looks like Nate Diaz might be out of UFC 244. So we're going to follow that as the show goes along. Conor McGregor randomly appeared today in Moscow or somewhere in Russia talking about he's coming back. We'll see if the old man believes him, and then a ton of other stuff to talk about in combat sports, including bravo to you, sir, on a good article on one of the best heel turns we've seen in a WWE in recent memory. Yes, sir. Finn Balor, which we'll talk about. Yeah. Um, But I know we're going to talk about Twitter and everything else, but I want to start this show off the right way because, like, I'm looking at the rundown. So, guys, that's listening. So, Kel does a rundown of everything we're going to talk about this week. He conveniently left something out that is very important. Maybe not to him, but it's important to me. And that is the fact that he is now over 2 in bets in 2019. <laughs> and <laughs> he owes me a steak dinner, which we should put on Patreon, because the he bet... Okay, I'm going to tell you guys the bet. Back... Uh, actually, before the baseball season started, for all of the, you who like baseball, I don't know who's out there, I told Kel that the Yankees would not get to the World Series without starting pitching. This is before Bryce Harper got signed. This is before Manny Machado got signed. Because Kel was gassed about Bryce Harper and Manny Machado basically wearing pinstripes. I said, it didn't matter. You can have all the hitters you want. You need starting pitching. Fast forward to right around the All-Star break. And I, I said it again. 
And I think we were in a group chat, and I said, the Yankees are not going to the World Series without starting pitching. I get, we're getting close to the trade deadline. So you guys need to trade for starting <laughs> pitching. So Kel, like he always does, grabs his balls. Like, no, we don't. As long as we're putting runs on the board, it doesn't matter. And, and I, I said, we're going to get healthier. We're getting our ace back. There was other reasons. Yeah, of course. But I said, you're not beating the Astros in a seven-game series where Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander are pitching. You'd have to see him twice. So this turned into, are you sure about that? Yes. <laughs> and it turned into, well, how about a steak dinner? Now, mind you, I just won brunch off of Kel. I don't, even, I don't know if anybody's seen that picture of me with the Magnum bottle <laughs> at the champagne brunch. It was right and, on the heels of that bet, too. So I had to yeah. redeem myself. So you was feeling fresh. So you decided to bet not brunch, a steak dinner on the Yankees going to the – initially started with the Yankees and the Astros. Then you grabbed your balls real tough and said, y'all give you the field. Now, mind you, I felt like the Astros were going to be the ones going to the World Series. They're one of the best constructed baseball teams we've seen in recent memory. And they might fall apart against the Washington Nationals as we speak. But I take the field. I don't care. Baseball's a real weird sport. He gave me the field, to, not to win the World Series, to get to the World Series. So it was basically the Yankees against everybody. See, so, I was okay with that because I knew it was going to be Yankees-Astros. Like, we weren't going to lose to the wildcard team or we weren't going to lose to Minnesota. I, I felt comfortable with that. Yeah, yeah. So you make this bet and you decide to give me these extraneous odds because, again, you guys were not healthy. Your starting pitching was lacking, giving up tons of runs. I but you were we able to get healthier. Yeah, yeah. But even though you guys don't have an ace, like you guys don't have, really have a true ace. Severino had been hurt all year. Uh, Domingo Herman, this was before the the, uh, the abuse thing and got him pulled away. Paxton's been shaky as shit all year. And then you have a, a you have a great bullpen, but it doesn't matter. You're playing the Astros. So you can imagine my elation when we got to, what was this, game six? Game six? Game six. six. Yes, game six. And I was so like, hyped when the Yankees tied it. Yes, it looked like everything was great in Kell land when uh, you guys got the DJ LeMahieu home run in the top of the ninth. And then, as it, <laughs> just as it should have happened, because I'm sitting there and I'm texting Marcus out of the group chat, and I'm like, yo, it would hurt even worse if they walked this shit off in extra innings. Marcus is like, I don't think it's going extra innings. It's the, top of the, it's the bottom of the ninth inning. Chapman's on the mound. And I'm like, you sure? He's like, yeah. I was like, all right, fine. Who's going to walk this thing off? He says Altuve again, Which bottom of the ninth. Is horrible because he's the fourth batter in that inning. So he was also <laughs> banking on someone getting on base. Yes, and I was like, "Nah, I'm gonna go with Bregman in like the eleventh inning." And he was like, "No, Altuve." I was like, "You mean now?" And he was like, "Now." Man, eight minutes later, yard steak dinners. That's what I'm talking about. Keller's now 0 for 2 in bets on brunch and steak dinner in 2019. I hope you get better at this shit in 2020. 2020, I'm going to figure something out. I will say that this bet was better than a John Moxley handshake deal, which will forever live in infamy. This one went to game six. The Moxley one, I was done in like two days. AEW <laughs> had the first pay per view. I was a rap. Like that one, I I bet the entire year. I was like, yo, he won't do anything for a year. The bet should have still been going to Mania, and I lost that in two days. So that that bet was horrible. Uh, I'll never forget Moxley too, ever. 
Um, I'm gonna tell him that one day. One day we're gonna go to AEW on some media show and pull him to the side and be like, "Yo, you know, you lost me a bet." Well, I'll tell you this because I've heard this through the grapevine that they're trying to get Moxley to uh, the Canelo Kovalev fight next week because uh, Moxley should be back home from AEW. Uh, ahead of the full gear thing. So you may be able to tell him in person if he shows up at Canelo Kovalev. No, I've seen him at UFC before. It would have shocked me if he was there. I will tell him, face-to-face, man-to-man, and I will call him Ambrose for disrespect <laughs> and say, you know what, Dino? You really hurt my pockets. There's, <laughs> there's a very large bottle of Magnum champagne in this photo because of you. And I'm showing him the photo. Like, listen, do you see this? This is what you did. Is your happiness worth this? And I'm going to see what he says. But, uh, yeah, man. Oh, oh, for two for bets. So, uh, I mean, steak dinner it is. <laughs> uh, and we are going to have a steak dinner more than likely during the Logan Paul KSI Fi Week in L.A. And you guys will get to hear all about it on that special episode of The Corner. <laughs> now, back to the combat sports and all the other bullshit. I'm so glad I'm just ruining your diet. One bet at a time. It's a steak. I'm eating healthy. I'm still eating steak. Steak is good. <laughs> I hope you get all the bad sides. <laughs> um, let's jump into the Twitter talk for this week. Uh, just a couple things stood out that I felt like we should touch on. And uh, this week's kind of like funny, which is good because we've had like a couple like serious weeks on Twitter. This time I try to stay away from the madness. There was plenty to grab from. But the first thing that really popped out to us is Rolling Stones, the Rolling Stones, top 100 singers list. I think this is our fourth time talking about a list. Yeah, and, we talk about this a lot. Well, it's the end of the year, so obviously they're going to pop up, right? So, cool, not surprised by that. And it's the end of a decade. So we're going to get even more lists that seem to be a lot you know, more encompassing than just, oh, who's the best this year? This list in particularly, I I just sat back. I was just waiting to see when you saw it and what your reaction was going to be. And it did not disappoint. Elvis Presley is the third greatest singer of all time, according to Rolling Stone. My God. All right. First and foremost, man, I said this on Facebook the other day. Yeah, look, th- like Funkmaster Flex dropped that top 50 MC list, right? And at a certain point, stop fucking doing these lists because to f- for me to have like a, a 38th favorite MC is kind of weird. So it's like. <laughs> yeah, we don't sit down and think about that. Nah, man. It's like you start at, at a certain point, you start arbitrarily putting names that you think are really good on your list with no like rhyme or reason as to where they place on this list. So when you start doing these lists, like after 10, this shit is just kind of ridiculous. You know, maybe 15 because you got certain guys on there that just barely didn't make the top 10. When you get to like the weeds of like 39, just stop. Just don't do it. And his list was batshit crazy ridiculous. I think he had Andre 3000 number one or number two. Yeah, which was, it was number two, I think. And which I think th- Three Stacks is an amazing MC, don't get me wrong, but he had Two. him above. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, come on. He had, like, he had Kanye, like, like really high. He had, like, Drake higher than J. Cole and Kendrick, which you can argue if you want to talk about impact, because Drake has done a lot of great things. But then it's just, like, there's no Royce on the list. It's like, come on, man. I think, like... No Fonte. 
No, fine. But, I, you know, a lot of guys that are, like, in the, the super mainstream, they just tend to forget about Tay. So. Killer Mike, though? Like, I feel like Killer Mike worked himself into a couple lists. Yeah, was Eminem even on the list? I can't remember. Yeah, I believe so. Uh, all right, but that you was... Can't, you can't have that list without Eminem. I mean, he's still alive for all purposes. Yeah, so this Rolling Stone list, yeah, that had Elvis, because that's the thing that stuck out to me. Elvis was number three. Um, yeah, like... And this is a list, I, I, I kind of like these lists better um, because it's a list where it's not just hip-hop, right? Like, it's not, we don't have to just get in our hip-hop bag. Everyone can partake in this list. It was all-encompassing. And even people... Yeah. Who weren't like, you know, your typical R&B fans or listening to, you know, soul music or funk music or whatever the hell it was back in those genres. They knew like, you know what? Elvis didn't belong at three. No. Okay. So Aretha Franklin's number one. That's okay. I mean, I find it hard. And again, I'm, you know, born in the late 80s. But how is Whitney not top three if we're talking singing? Well, see, this is my dilemma with this particular list, because there's a difference because artist and singer are two different things, because Jennifer Hudson is an amazing singer, probably one of the best voices of this current generation. She makes terrible music. Correct. So, you know, so it's hard when you have this kind of list, because Whitney Houston is the same way. Whitney has some amazing songs. Don't get me wrong. What? <laughs> yeah. No, okay. but what I'm saying is, in comparison to material, like Whitney Houston does have the same material that somebody like a Marvin Gaye has, for instance, or a Michael Jackson or a Freddie Mercury with Queen. With, like People forget Freddie Mercury has fucking hits. Well, yeah. Uh, that movie came out, I was like, yo, they have so much music. You know, or Al Green. But when it came, comes to powerful voices, like Whitney's like top three. So I, I don't know. How I feel like she has there. enough hits to be up there, at least top five. I, I think she has enough to be up there it, it's hard because I, you know i can't put her ahead of prince but that's an artist though that's that's the artist part about it so that, that makes it difficult. prince was number 30 number 30 this is disrespectful because look so the list of for those who haven't seen it the top 10 is aretha franklin ray charles elvis presley sam cook john lennon marvin gaye bob dylan otis redding stevie wonder james brown i'm gonna stop there there's no way that Elvis is a better singer than Stevie Wonder. I will kill everybody <laughs> over that assessment because it's just you're it's just the biggest true. Stevie Wonder mark, though. Listen, man, Stevie Wonder is a fucking amazing. I mean, forget the part that he's blind and composes music and all that shit. I'm just talking about him being an amazing singer who has made a number of classic albums. You know, songs in Key of Life, In a Visions, a Talking Book. The list goes on and on. Like Stevie Wonder is one of the greatest minds of music ever. But you not know, Kanye like, West. Are you sure about that? Oh man, Come we'll on, get to that. Man. We'll get to that. Every, Don't worry. Every week, we'll get man. to that. <laughs> but but Elvis Presley. Look, man, I get it. It's, it's the Elvis Presley being in the top three is like Babe Ruth being the greatest home run hitter of all time because it, it completely negates the fact that black people exist. That's that's my issue with Elvis being so high. And Elvis Presley's not better than Sam Cooke. He's not better than Otis Redding. Not better than Stevie Wonder. Uh, when it comes to white people. He's not better than John Lennon. John Lennon's the fucking Beatles, man. Like, what's wrong with you people? That's, that's John Lennon. So these lists just get, like, Little Richard's 12. Like Roy Orbison is 13? That's high for Roy. Like, Johnny Cash is better than Elvis Presley. Like, there are some people like, you just talk about black people. No, fucker. Johnny Cash made some amazing I'll music give you that. that is better than Elvis Presley. Yeah. So 
you know, you know, David Bowie being 23, fair. David Bowie being ahead of Michael Jackson, not fair. Michael Jackson is elite. I don't care. Like, forget Finding Neverland and all that stuff. But like, young Michael, 25 or, for Michael. 25. Come on, man. Like Jackson five. Smokey Michael. Robinson is not better than Michael. I'm sorry. Like Smokey's amazing. Smokey's but, man. He ain't Michael. But it's like it, these lists. Robert Plant being 15. Like when you do these lists, and I always say you need more melanin in your office when you start doing these lists. Like Curtis Mayfield being 40 is ridiculous to me. But I know, like Nina Simone being 29, okay, I'm with that. Like I love Nina Simone. I think she's top 20, but whatever. But it's just the Elvis thing. And I just, like, y'all be making lists just to piss people off. That's what I've started to think. At a certain point, you just make lists to make people mad. And I get mad at these things every goddamn time I see them. You know what's crazy? And the other thing I want to touch on before we move on. There's only one contemporary artist on this list. One. Christina Aguilera at 58. That's the only one from our generation. And I understand because her vocal range. And that is nuts. I don't count Mariah Carey as this generation, I guess. I mean, Um, I wish relevant to making music. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't count her as like contemporary now. And you know what? I don't even know where Mariah's on this list. Mariah's at seventy nine, and Christina Aguilera's at fifty eight. Again, that, that shit's so ridiculous. Let's like we're talking about Mariah. If we're talking about straight voices, like I think I don't. And I'm catalog. Not her catalog's better than Christina Aguilera. Yeah, I mean, I'm not the biggest Mariah Carey fan. It's just it is what. Same with Mary J. Blige. People love Mary J. Blige. I'm just not the big fan. But I get it. I get it with Mariah. But voice wise, come on, dog. Who's singing better than Mariah Carey? Yeah, that's... Not very few. Very few are singing better than Mariah Carey. But that's it. For contemporary artists, it's just Christina Aguilera. No Beyonce. If you're listing a hundred singers of all time and saying it's not just about voices, it's also about catalog and impact, and Beyonce did not crack the list. It's, it's wild, man. I mean, Rolling Stone is a legendary publication. It's been around for many, many years. Um, but, yeah, man, at a certain point, I'm just like, fuck. Like, Shaka Khan ain't on the list. Is she? I don't think she is. No. Like, how the fuck is Shaka Khan not on the list? Sade on this list? I don't think Sade Nah, man, like, but this, see, that's like... This People level. love them, so Sade, too. Like me, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, Dolly Parton's on the list. I'm like, Dolly. It's just, again, you make these lists, and I don't know who's all making this list. Everybody's got to make a list. I get it. That's just the way of the world these days. Everybody makes a list. But come on, man. Elvis? Elvis? Yeah, they're, they're missing out. Like, But again, you get to 100. Like 90 through 100, you're splitting so many hairs that it's hard. Like, How do you justify like this is the 92nd best singer? I don't know. I like I, I like I need to see a point system. I need to see how they do that, these things. We gotta see and uh, I keep telling this everyone in our group chat this, like, yo, we're going to put out like a top hundred wrestlers list or something and have it actually be, you know, somewhat sensible. I, I feel like if anything in our group chat, I would be an outlier for like I, I guess traditional wrestling fans. Because I still, you know, I don't crush WWE all the time. And I have rose-colored glasses on some stuff. And then I'd say, like, Justin, Ivy in our group chat would be, like, the independents. Like, super, like, putting votes in for TNA people. And then everything else, though, we'd round into shape. So if someone's missing, they're missing by, like, three spots. 
Yeah. I and mean, there's like six of us in this group chat. These people are getting paid to make lists. I see how many meetings go on in corporate America now. They had to at least have 10 meetings for this damn list. Yeah, you'd be surprised, man. Like these lists, like things slip through the cracks and people just want to get them done because people are busy. But, you know, there needs to be a quality control check for this. That's all. Got to have a quality control. Yeah, so that list is crazy. If you guys haven't seen it, uh, just Google it. It's up there. They have the full list. Or you can check it out on Twitter. I'm not sure if they hit Facebook yet. No Facebook for the old folks. So it'll take like a week to get on Facebook. But yeah, another list. Another just mind-boggling order um, from top to bottom. The other thing that caught my eye, which a lot of people, it, it kind of was hot for a day. But I still want to talk about it. The Gucci Mane interview with Charlemagne the God. And as someone who is very familiar with doing hip-hop interviews... Dre, I feel like you have insight others do not. So Charlemagne sits down there, for anyone who didn't watch it, sits down there, sitting across from Gucci. This is new Gucci, so very slim and trim, somewhat proper Gucci. But the old school Gucci came out a little bit, and he said that he was slack DJ Envy and talked about Angela Yee propositioning him for some things. One time when he was on the show, Charlamagne wasn't on that day, and he found it disrespectful. He found them talking about him and his now wife disrespectful and said he's going to slap DJ Envy, and Charlamagne just sat there and nodded. What is proper etiquette in that situation, Dre? Like, Charlamagne really got to be like, yo, you can't talk about my peoples like that? Not in the middle of the interview. Um, Do you got to cut it out, the interview? Nah, I mean, look, I, I've... I've talk to people who don't like I've interviewed artists that don't like people that I'm around and they've said things but it's never really been on camera before so it's, I've never really had the opportunity to go yo don't say that but I've talked to people on the side and be like yo that you know that's we don't rock like that blah 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 but in this particular scenario what what could Charlemagne do he had a I mean Gucci had his rationale he had his reasons uh, he felt disrespected, and he, you know, offered to uh, a five-hand discount across the face. So <laughs> he said it's still know, gonna, I, it's still gonna happen. He said once he catches him in person. And, and let's be clear: there's, there's one thing that's very important about this. Just because I work with you, don't mean that we're friends. So who knows if Charlemagne and Envy are like really friends? If they're not cool, smack them. Shit, ain't got nothing to do with me. I'll see him at work tomorrow. We can talk about it. Like, I don't defend coworkers like that because, like, coworkers ain't really in the trenches for you. Like, a lot of times you don't even like your coworkers. So I'm not here to defend, you know, if an artist is disrespecting somebody that I work with. Like, when I was at Billboard, it was when I was at DX or BET and was like, yo, I don't like such and such. I'd probably be like, yo, me either. So, <laughs> like, I'm not – unless it's somebody that I'm, like, really cool with, then I'll be like, yo, chill. You can't say some shit like that. And if I'm familiar with the situation. But if it's, like, some shit I'm not familiar with and – and I wasn't even there that day they talking about the shit. Because if Gucci threatened me, then it's different. Then it'd be like, yo, that wasn't me. That was them. But you come for all of us. You know, we all had to come for you. But I wasn't even there. You talking greasy about them? I mean, I like them. So there it is. You can smack them. It <laughs> give us something to talk about and laugh about tomorrow. I mean, y'all remember the Jesus and Meryl situation with Envy. It wasn't like Charlamagne was like going to go fight Jesus and Meryl for Envy. No. Envy just like a messy dude gets caught up in some shit. All the time. Mess Envy has not been the same since he went on the apology tour after cheating on his wife and getting caught. 
He's just been he's been real weird after that. Um, people, a lot of people wanted to smack him after that. He's just been a little overly sensitive after that. And uh, the nature of the show is that that you're gonna piss people off too. Yeah. And it's just how the Breakfast Club is built. So Charlemagne talks about people want to run his fate all the time. So yeah. I'm sure Charlemagne was just like, ah, this this is par for the course. Like, oh, you want to slap Envy? Like, you know how many people say they want to slap me? Like, this shit's every day, I'm sure, to Charlemagne. So I'm not even sure if he took that, you know, seriously on his part. He's like, yeah, cool. Just another person want to slap one of us. Like, get in line. Um, and, and so it's just weird to see. But that is true. I guess everyone you work with, like, you don't ride out for everyone you work with. It's just odd that they, on air people, give this aura, and it's just a perceived aura of being closer than they are. Yeah. And I remember watching like uh, Mike and Mike when that show broke up on ESPN. And all these reports came out like, you know what? They're just tired of working again. And they're not, they've never really been friends. They never talk after the show. And I'm like, what? Like, it's Mike and Mike. But that shit happens. Uh, Stretch and Barbito. There's the great Netflix documentary on that. You, you look at all these players, like sometimes, you know what? You're just not the best of friends. So that yeah, it happens. Yeah, so if you get smacked, you know, you get smacked. So that was uh that was crazy. For the record, I wouldn't I wouldn't let you get smacked. No, I'm not letting you get smacked either. Yeah, you're my friend. Like like we argue and shit on the show, but you're actually my friend. Like I wouldn't let you get smacked. (laughs) Yeah. But there's other people that I've done things with and I'd be like, yo, you can smack the shit out of them any day of the week. (laughs) I I wanted to and it was crazy, we just kinda it was been a crazy day in like combat sports and I was busy. But I wanted to reach out and act shake how kind of him and Mecca at two dope boys um, dealt with the situation with Tyler, the creator. Oh boy. Because I I feel like that's one of those scenarios where it's like blatant and open hostility by this artist towards you. So being on that and like, what the fuck are you supposed to do? Look, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Because I was there when Tyler said, fuck two dope boys at the Woody Awards, at the MTVU Woody Awards, with Shake and Mecca. We were all there. <laughs> In the house. Yeah, we were there. Like, we watched it happen. And um, we were going to fight. I'll just say it, I'll say it right now. Like, <laughs> a lot of people don't know this. Like, we were there to work. A lot of weird things happen. Man, I, I guess, you know, sorry, guys. This, we're going to get to combat sports in a second. But I don't think I've ever talked about this, really. So... That year, whatever year that was, 2012, I can't remember what year it was. We had South by Southwest. And no, it might even be before that. It might have been 2011. Um, We're at South by Southwest. I had just launched my site, The Well Verse. But, you know, me, Mecca, and Shake for Two Dope Boys have always been really close. Shake was in my wedding. Uh, We all three of us worked together at Hip Hop DX. Uh, Two Dope Boys got launched because we were all leaving. Like, I went to BET. Those two were really frustrated with their position at DX once I was getting ready to leave. And we had an issue where our owner didn't like um, Shake posting the music that he liked, which happened to be the music that I liked and the music that Mecca liked. So Shake and Mecca took it upon themselves, because Mecca was our resident blogger at the time, to launch a site called Two Dope Boys, where they posted the music that they liked. It just so happened that the music that they liked was Wale, J. Cole, Kendrick Lamar, um, and everybody from the blog era, which is how Two Dope Boys blew up, because they posted the music that they liked. My wife actually did their paperwork for all of their deals. 
So that's how close we are. Like, we are really, really close. Um, around the time before Odd Future took off, they had sent us music, all of us. And anybody that was a blogger in the music era at this particular time remembers, may remember getting music from a group called Odd Future, and it sucked. Like, I didn't post it. They didn't post I was at BT, and I was like, I ain't posting this shit. And they didn't post it either. I, we just didn't like it. It felt like shock rap. It felt like a knockoff of Eminem, whatever. Like, and a lot of the times you get so inundated with emails that you just overlook things. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened with Shake because he gets a lot of emails at this particular time. So they, our future took the shit personally, and specifically Tyler. And when they started to blow up, they took shots at Two Dope Boys, who was pretty much them not right on Smash. You heard that new info with like the top of the music blog food, food chain. So they took shots directly at Shake. So South by Southwest rolled around, and this was the year we did a showcase where Schoolboy Q got arrested. It's fucking, that's a whole other <laughs> thing. Whole other thing. Um, we were all there, and it's still something we joke about to this day. Uh, but we had a, they had a showcase, and I was with them. They, there was a there was a TDE showcase, um, but they had the Woody Awards, and this is this is interesting enough. This is when I first met Donald Glover, and he gave me his music, and I was like, this is actually kind of dope. And then he blew up. But th- on that particular day, he was at the Woody Awards. We all went. There was like a barbecue. We went in. Tyler, Tyler, and Odd Future accepted some award and was like, "Fuck two dope boys," right? We're sitting there and we're like, oh, word. Now, Elliot Wilson's standing there with us. He's laughing. Like, he's just laughing his ass off. Because we all knew, like, the moment he said that, his eye future was blowing up, all it's going to do is give two dope boys more looks. So anyway, we're leaving and people are like, yo, our future's looking for y'all. Now, people that don't know Shake, Shake is the rowdiest white boy I've ever met. <laughs> like, if you don't know him, like, if you see him or you hear him talking, you're like, he's so nice, he's... Very shy. Yeah, but no. Like, he's ready to fight. So we're me, Shake, Mecca, we're like, all right, well, what are we going to do? Because it's South by Southwest. If anybody's been to South by Southwest, you know it's like this big, it's like one street where everybody's at. We figure we're going to cross paths. So we saw, like, Big Crit, a bunch of other people who's hanging out. And people yeah. were, like, telling them, talking greasy about y'all. And I'm like, yo, if they're talking greasy about Shake, we're going to fight. <laughs> S was with us. It was about to be a blog versus Odd Future brawl at South by Southwest. Fortunately, none of that shit happened. We never crossed paths. But interestingly enough, because I don't think enough people listen to this podcast, uh, Day in Vegas is next week out here, and Tyler, the creator, is performing. And I know this has been so many years since that, but Shake just kind of joked with me the other day and was like, you want to knock out Tyler? And I was <laughs> Yo, bad habits die hard. And Shake is just that kind of guy. And if, if we're to punch Tyler in the face, I'm fighting. It's just the way it is. I don't even know Tyler. I don't even got nothing against him to this day. I actually like the Igor album a lot. But that's what I'm saying. We just got to nice. do it. Yeah, we got to do it for the culture. And you going to be there. So yeah, like, I'll be there too. Like, listen, at this point, we're sports We're sports writers. Fuck it. What are they going to do? Ban me from music? Whatever. So like, what I mean, that ain't going to hurt my feelings. I would figure cooler heads would prevail. And if the all close fans, I feel, figure Tyler's matured a lot. Shake is shake. I don't know. Like, we probably keep him out of this shit. Shake seems mellow now compared nah. to the stories you guys tell me. Nah, nah, man. But all this to say, look, for my people, like, I'm going to fight and I don't care because that's what you're supposed to do. But co workers, it's a completely different story. Like, the owner of Hip Hop DX, I let him get beat up many a nights. I wouldn't have minded. 
just the way it. <laughs> it's just how it rolls. Um, one person that we have to talk about, Dre, before we go into combat sports, and I know people are itching to hear the combat sports, but we just can't because you got sucked back into the vacuum that is Kanye West. And he had an interview on Apple Music today, and I... Listen, you did a great job. I was driving at the point. You're like, yo, you got to check this out. I had to put it on in the car. And Kanye West, one, two things stood out to me. Two, I'm not sure if he really likes making music anymore. And two, I think he might be obsessed with Drake. Yeah. Um, before we start this conversation and move on to comedy sports, I'll say this. People, like some people... The, the cult of Kanye is very weird. They've been coming after me all day on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, they're, and not, I've, they're not beehive status yet, but they're getting there. They're getting there. But so my, my thing about Kanye, because people are like, why do you hate Kanye so much? My, my biggest issue with Kanye is because it's not, it's not necessarily just him, but it's the people that follow Kanye and what Kanye represents in society today and who Kanye was because, like most people, I was a huge fan of Kanye West when he first came out. From and again, we always talk about. I gave him the five mics. I was a fan of Kanye to see what he's regressed into, um, and to see how people reacted over the MAGA shit and Candace Owens stuff and the slavery was a choice. I'm like, yo, I just can't rock with the idiot. So I'm listening, but still, he's part of the fabric of music culture. So it's like when I saw this was going on, I saw a lot of my peers tweeting about it. I was like, what the fuck's going on? So I was like, all right, let me listen to this Kanye interview. I do this. Like, people act like I don't listen to music anymore or some shit. They're like, what are you doing? Ah, it's Kanye. You just hate Kanye West. No, Kanye West is a very important part of, of music. I can't be a journalist without looking at what Kanye West is doing. So to say that, uh, it was a fucking car accident, man. Like, Zane Lowe, much credit to him, never met this guy. But the fact that he was able to try to corral Kanye on some of these questions that he was asking and Kanye was kind of skipping around was was a one stuff like he he did his best not to piss off kanye but he tried to challenge kanye when it came like he asked a question like where's all the money going and kanye was like going back to church i call bullshit but whatever he, he at least kept challenged him on that um but yeah kanye talked about drake a lot in this interview like and he, he called him aubrey he was like drake wouldn't talk to me for six months after the push the teeth thing which like duh i wouldn't talk to you either um he talked about going with no security to his house and kind of like leaving his number. And I'm trying to visualize this. Like what you do, leave a post-it note on his front door. Like I I don't understand Kanye's obsession with Drake because I think one day I'm going to write about this because I've been around enough people from both parties that they've got like the weirdest friend of me, like Tommaso Ciampa, Johnny Gargano friend <laughs> I've ever seen. Like it's, it's really strange because it feels like they both have tried to sabotage each other's careers at some point. But yet still, here's Kanye talking about his obsession, you know, Aubrey this and Drake that. and This has know, to I'm, be the final line, though. Like, Kanye, the way he was talking, it seemed as though he thought he was the victim in this situation. Well, when yeah, we yeah. all know that he fed Pusha T the ammunition for that beef. Like, that's it. Like, you knew Drake, he came out to wherever that was, Iowa, wherever the hell that, um, Montana, where he was recording. Drake said he sat down, he did some songs with him. Kanye knew about the baby and the Adidas rollout and then gave it all to Pusha T and blew the whole thing up. But see, Pusha denies this. And Kanye has also denied this. So, I but mean... Drake listen, told that whole story flat out. Yeah, he did. But I, look, I'm not defending Kanye at all. 
But I'm saying without proof, you don't know. But more importantly, in defense of Drake, when you don't know, you just don't fuck with him. Because, again, I just don't like if I if if I heard a bunch of people that I knew and I gave some sensitive information to and now that information is out there. Obviously, I'm going to blame the person that I told, but I'm sure that Drake, that's not the only person Drake told. So it could have came from anywhere in that circle, but I just don't trust that circle. So you know what? I'm just not going to fuck with him. That's how I roll. That's just the way I do things. I think Drake is probably the same way. He really thinks Kanye did it, but he's not entirely sure. But he thinks well enough to be like, you know what? I'm better off not even dealing with this dude. So maybe that's what it is. But either way, Kanye just seems super butthurt about it. And I just don't understand. He's real sensitive about a lot of stuff, it seems like. He's just, I don't know. He he talked about, you know, his depression and his medication that he's no longer on. Um, And I remember him being on TMZ during that interview, which was very up and down as well. Where he's kind of, I think, defending, like, the MAGA stuff and all this. Like, he just seems very erratic right now and i just don't know like one second he's giving back to the community in chicago and then he's doing some wild shit and talking about history that are not based on facts and he's just making stuff up and then now he's doing church music out of regular ass songs just putting organs in them and making them feel like church music like every three months he's just changing gimmicks in hyperdrive, I, I don't know what it is. I mean, so this the Jesus is King album is supposedly dropping by the time you guys hear, hear the show. Don't know if it's true. Don't care. Uh, but that's what's supposed to be. Do you think it's going to be good? Mm, I don't. I don't know, man. Like I've got. I like the life of Pablo, and that was very, uh, I, you know, gospel based. See, I. Yeah, I didn't like Life of Pablo at all. I hated it. I hated Jesus. And I know people love Jesus and teach his own on that one. Oh, I don't like Jesus at all. I think he's terrible. That's yeah, just my opinion. Um, but I still think Kanye is capable of making great music if he wants to. And what I mean by want to is if he's in the right zone, doesn't have all these distractions around him. Like, even on The Life of Pablo, I think, uh, what's the song, 30 Nights? I, I think he has, some, he has some really good songs on there. He just His, rap, his rhymes are terrible. Um, but I'm, I'm not sure about this co-opting religion thing. So I'm going to listen to it because I feel like it's necessary. Like I'm, you guys are going to see some more music writing from, from me soon. I'm working on a few things, but, uh, I'm going to pay some attention to this. I just, I don't know what to expect. I just, the individual is what I don't like right now. And, and more, more important than that, it's not just the individual. I just really feels, feel like he needs to step away from the scene. Like, I, I think he really needs help. And I, I know music is therapeutic, but the spotlight is not. Spotlight is not therapeutic. And I think the man needs to kind of back away from interviews. And I know he's doing this Sunday service thing, which I think is stupid, but it's his. So that's what he wants to do. But I just, sometimes that spotlight burns so bright, it makes you make some really bad decisions. So maybe it's his coping mechanism, but I just feel like he needs help. I really do. Yeah, it's not, to me, it never strikes me as the best time to go out there and, for a better word, preach to people or try to give advice when you are somewhat unstable yourself. Yeah. Um, I, it's making him feel a certain way. Maybe he has a complex and it's making him, you know, boosting the ego or making him happy to see crowds chanting after him. But even that Howard joint that we talked about, like his rant was very weird. Really? Like it was almost anti-crowd. 
So once you start reaching levels of paranoia with shit, yeah, it's time to get help. The, Absolutely. The, the paranoia is what gets you. So we'll see. I mean, I guess he's dropping the album, so we'll see how good the music can still be. Um, I, for better or worse, we'll all take a listen to it. Uh, let's veer actually into combat sports, what we're here to talk about. And uh, one thing I want to start off with, and we'll talk about Connor and Nate and all that UFC stuff here in a second. But I want to start off with boxing because one thing I was working on all day today, and I just posted a couple graphics to ESPN social media about it, is Shakur Stevenson, and this article comes out, and they're playing up. And to me, it's hilarious that he's fighting his girlfriend's brother for the WBO title this weekend. And I, yeah. this shit is straight out of pro wrestling. Wait, can I say that? Are people going to get mad? Is that gimmick infringement? I think so. I think it's. I think you're not allowed to say these things <laughs> because oh. somebody owns four words. Uh. Yeah. Wait. Wait until the new merch is rolled out. Oh, I got the best. Everything is pro wrestling shirt in mind. Oh man, people are gonna be so tight. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's crazy to think like yes, this is really the storyline. Like Shakur Stevenson is dating his little sister. He's cut off his little sister because of this relationship. She's also kind of slipped in her boxing career, which she's trying to get back. But her family blames all of this on Shakur Stevenson. And now he has to fight the brother for the title. So really, he has to knock out his girlfriend's brother. There's two ways to look at this. That this is horrible, and it's a horrible toll on you know their family and the prospects of family moving forward. Or two, this is damn near 80% of men's dream when you can't stand your wife, your girlfriend's, whatever, big brother, or sibling of any type, cousin, whatever, and you get to knock them flat out. Dog, this is the craziest thing. Like, we'll talk about the Vosnik better be a fight, but this this promo ran, and I was like, yo, are they for real? Because I, clear, I didn't know. I didn't know Shakur was dating this, this man's sister like that, and this was an issue. Um, but it's like, for them, for... For them, for you, for you. This is your side. This is ESPN. For y'all to for y'all <laughs> to play this up is it's fascinating because it's like word, like this is the drama. But I guess I mean any angle's better than none. So I mean, go ahead and run with it. I mean, it's, to it's be fair, drama. he needed this. Like yeah, I mean, he needed that kind of an angle. You're yeah, right. He right. he needed this, and as soon as I saw it, it came across, and they were like, "Yo, can we do anything with this on a?" Uh, one shout out um, to Mark at ESPN Kriegel who picked up the angle and ran with it. And he really pushed to do this story just from a journalism aspect. And as he's going about writing his article, people are like reading the emails and picking up on it. And now it's become the entire narrative of the pre-fight buildup. Yeah. Off of him just hearing the story and wanting to flesh it out as a journalist. So that, that shit to me, one, is dope. Um, off top, and then two, the story is crazy. You get to punch your brother-in-law in the face, damn near. This this is most people growing up in the hood. True. This this is the wood, but in reverse. This this is true. I, look, man, I'm not against this at all. Like, I think it's funny. You ever had to I, punch a girl's brother in the face? No. 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 Gonna, wait. Oh no, he's too young. Brother, no. cousin, nothing. No. Mm-mm, no. Never never had any of those situations, but. I mean, the fact that he can do it, and there's like a, a vacant title on the line, and everybody expects Shakur to drag to it this weekend. But um, 
dude, more power to them. Like if any, again, anything to get people interested in boxing. And if it takes things that are like pro wrestling, I'm here for it. That's it. And it was a naturally built storyline. Just had to play it up a little bit. Give it a little flair. So, uh, yeah, that's, I'm not going to lie. This could be my whole weekend. I'm not letting this shit go. I love it. <laughs> I would make a million graphics of it. Um, I hit up our graphic department already today to see if we could do like a dope graphic um, with them for Saturday. So I'm, I'm playing it up to the umpteenth degree. As far as they let me take it, I'm going to take it. Uh, because why not? Why not? It's the pro wrestling in me, so that shit is funny. I'm surprised you didn't have to fight over a sibling. Me, I remember one time this girl, and I was in New York for like a summer, and I remember she brought her two cousins and I, I guess what would be like a play brother to the block, and they were trying, they found themselves being like, yo, we got to beat you up, blah, 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 you disrespected my sister, you disrespected my cousin, all this shit. And I remember that, and I remember thinking, one, you're on my block, so we're going to have to beat all three of these guys up. It was like six of us. And two, I was like, how dumb is it to come, like, if I remember the situation correctly, and we were young and stupid, uh, the thing that summer was to fake like you met a girl before and get her number out of someone else's phone, right? So... Obviously, me, I was in Vegas already, so I was going back for every break. And I went back, and they were like, yo, there's this girl we go to school with, blah, blah, blah. We were t um, she was talking, I think, to my boy Trav. And it was like, yo, yeah, she ain't give Trav no play, blah, blah, blah. Yo, see what you can do. I'm like, what? They are like, yo, here's a number. Just text her that you met her at the pizza shop at 200, on 216. I was like, yo, all right. So I text her. I was like, yo, nah, we met at 216 in White Plains, like at the pizza shop. She was like, oh, and I was texting her for like a week. And then like everyone decided to meet up and we're stupid and young. And we all rolled up to like meet up with her and like two of her friends. And Trav was there and she put two and two together. She felt super embarrassed. Like, oh, what do you think I am? Blah, blah, blah. And then obviously knowing where Trav lived on our block, decided to come with the two guys. Then I was like, what the hell are you going to do? Like, so we gonna fight and then this gonna make you feel better? I was like, this is the dumbest shit. But I remember that I was writing the story. I was like, you know what? I would have had to knock her brothers out. And she gonna do shit about it. So I, that's the one thing I don't... Obviously, this situation is a little different. Um, Shakur's girlfriend isn't really rocking with her family like that right now. But a lot of girls take that stance. Like, yo, I'm gonna get my bigger brother to beat you up. Or my cousin to beat you up. Like, what if you just come in and setting your cousin up for an ass whooping? That's going to make you feel 10 times worse. I don't understand this logic. Like, you think your cousin got hands until he gets molly whopped, And then now you heartbroken, you embarrassed, and your cousin got a black eye. You know what? Even better? It's right around the corner from the holidays. Man, that Thanksgiving dinner is going to be a mess. Ooh. Yeah, you know, because... Again, a lot of times in combat sports, you know, you whip each other's ass, you hug it out, you shake hands after. This might be what somewhat squashes the beef. But at any sign of beef again, Shakur got the trump card if he wins. Of course. Shut up for a knock your ass out again. Like, how do you come back from that? You don't. That's it. That's it. You just can't live that down. You can't face the man again. There would be no Thanksgiving dinner. I'd be like, nah, you know, like... 
You got we got to split time, something. Like yo, Shakur comes at five. I mean, my plate at three. I got to bounce. I mean, well, the sisters just got to be excommunicated, dog. Like, look, man, you got <laughs> like as a parent, like as a parent, like imagine, you know, my daughter. If, like, if I have an, another child and my daughter's dating some dude that gets my son's ass whooped, yeah, I'm gonna be like, yo, you got to make a choice, little girl. <laughs> That's, like, it, like, that's it. Like you, like because on top of that, everybody in this family, because the sister's a fighter, Joette's a fighter, and then obviously the parents are very familiar with boxing. Yeah, everybody's going into this fight this weekend except for Joette, knowing Joette's going to get fucked up. <laughs> everybody knows, like everybody knows what's about to happen. Nobody's going into this fight being like, "Man, Joette's got a hell of a chance." No, you're fighting a blue chip prospect in Shakur Stevenson, who's probably going to drag you because he's pissed off. Joet says they sparred once and he got the better of Shakur. Yeah, I've heard these stories before about people getting the better of people. I ain't buying. Yeah, it. sparring is so different, <laughs> so different. So it's like, damn. And Shakur for a long time said, "No, I don't want to fight him." Joet started talking shit. Now like, the, gloves, the gloves are off. Yeah, I don't want to beat up your brother. Now I have to. Now, now he has to. Now, now he questions my manhood. We got, we just got to shoot the fade real, real quick. Real quick, you know, we, we go out, we have our business, and then, you know, we, we come back in and we're a big family again. So, nah, man, that's that shit's going to be funny. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see. Like, she has to come in and congratulate him afterwards. Like, he just, he's going to beat the brakes off your brother. It's just a weird, weird dynamic to think about in their household. How it's going to play out, man. So, that's a great story. And boxing this weekend. Looking back at last weekend, like you said, we had the better BF fight, um, in which I think we should have bet on this fight because you picked the wrong side of that one. I, I it was a 50 50 fight, though. It was like Bozdick and Better BF was a fight that was truly 50 50. Uh, it was one of those things where Bozdick had beat, you know, I'm nearly the life out of Adonis Stevenson. Shout out to Adonis for being back in the mix. Um, and better be if got you know knocked down by Callum Johnson. So I was like, well, I'm gonna take the more technical dude in this fight. And I thought Vozik would have, you know, he was doing a great job early, but that better be if power is for real, for real, for real, scary. Dude can fight. No, the the difference was punching power. Period. Because I I think accuracy, footwork, all this stuff. It it wasn't. It wasn't even really a sweet science style of fight. You know, it was just like, no, we're just going to go in here and we're going to throw hands. And one of us is going to fall. And better be as, and Tim Bradley, we were talking this week, we were on like the same call. And he said, better be as hands are like one of the biggest set of hands he's ever seen on a human being. Of any size. I mean. So he was like, he's not shocked that like. Just those body blows that you just, oh, man, those were crushing. And those made the difference in the fight. The question now becomes, what's next for him at 175? Well, I mean, it's obvious. Well, Does, for a lot of people, people say, it's obvious that people are going to immediately say the winner of Kovalev Canelo. Yeah. But they have, they have a mandatory. Uh, I forgot the dude's name. Like, there is a mandatory in line for, uh, I want to say the WBA title. Um, that'll probably happen in January. So then it'll be... Does you your know, boy stay at 175 is the question. Canelo? Yeah. I sincerely doubt it. Um, that's, that's, that's a lot of weight. 
it's it's a lot of weight. We'll see how he handles it against Kovalev next week. Um, should he win? I mean, he still has an alpha. Well, not, not even an alpha title. He has the WBA regular super middleweight title. And there are still belts to collect at 160. So which one of them belongs to Triple G and the other one belongs to Demetrius Andrade. Um, there's obviously Callum Smith out there. Like, Canelo's got options. So for him to hang around at uh, light heavyweight would probably not be the smart thing to do. So I would expect if Canelo Kovalev for Betabiev to end up fighting Dmitry Bivol. I think that would probably be the route that we'll go. And then they'll have to figure it out with Canelo. Um, I just don't think Canelo would be wise to stay there. Because on top of that, it's not really a money fight. I heard the ratings weren't that, that great for Betabiev and Vozdik. Um, Dmitry Bivol puts people to sleep when he fights. He's not the killer that a lot of people thought he was. He just fell on the zone two weeks ago, and we were all tired watching him. So it's like <laughs> at light heavyweight... At light heavyweight, these options aren't like big windfalls of money. They're more high risk, low reward, you know, than it is a fight where Canelo can really etch his name as one of the greats. He's kind of already there. So go back to the way that you're more natural at and, you know, either try to fight an Andrade or, well, probably not Andrade. He says there's nothing there for him. Maybe fight Callum Smith or find somebody else. I don't know. Maybe maybe you can lure Charlo over. I have no idea, but I just don't think the future rests in light heavyweight for him right now. No, yeah, I agree. I think he goes back down. Um, a name I think could go up and chill up there is Danny Jacobs, depending on how he looks at 168. Um, I think he can make that other seven pound jump. Danny probably can. Danny, Danny will be an interesting case because Danny's a damn good fighter. Yeah. Um, I I think he, and he possesses a style that even against bitter beer, like I, I think he can be slick enough and not get hit enough to kind of make that an interesting fight. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I think, Dan, again, Danny Jacobs is one of the best fighters out there. He just, he lost to Canelo. He, he barely lost to Triple G. Yeah. He's just in a he, tough spot. Yeah, he's in a very tough spot. So now at super middleweight, he can make some noise there, um, and we'll see what he does. The other fight I want to talk about before we move on to anything else uh, MMA-wise and pro wrestling is this weekend's the Regis Progray uh, J- Josh Taylor fight, which is a unification fight, and it's another 50-50 fight. Um, that's going to unify some titles. You think that's it's 50-50? Hell yeah, it's a 50-50 fight. Ooh, I like Prograde a lot. A lot. I like him too. A lot. Josh Taylor, look, Josh Taylor has remarkable footwork. He's taller, he's rangier than Prograde. It's, it's almost the same exact kind of fight that we watched this past weekend with Better Behave and, and Vostick, where we have a really technical fighter, which was Vostick, is Josh Taylor, against a guy with really heavy hands in Prograde, which was better BF. I'm picking Prograde to win. I'm not necessarily sure he's going to stop him because if he can lure Josh Taylor into a firefight, this could get really interesting. But Josh Taylor's really good at controlling range. So it's a, it's, we have back-to-back weeks of 50-50 fights that are unification fights. Um, and again, if you're, if you're not a boxing fan and you're not happy with the state of boxing right now, I don't know what's wrong with you. And you need to be watching this fight this weekend – like, there's like a ton of fights this weekend. I was looking up at that with Bellator and this, and you got a uh, who else is back in action? Uh, Robert Easter's back in action this weekend. Uh, Erickson Lubin's fighting this weekend. Josh Taylor Reed's Pro Gray. Uh, Derek Tashore is fighting uh, David Price. Yeah, that's a good fight. There's a lot of good fights this weekend. It's a lot of good fights, but this Pro Gray Taylor fight, we'll probably talk about it a little bit more in depth next weekend, next week. But uh, it's a hell of a fight, man. We got some really good fights. No, I definitely agree. And 
we're really ramping up. This was the week where boxing said, you know what? We're ending 2019 with a bang. And it doesn't stop until, what, mid-December? Like, it don't stop until the end of the damn year. It's just it's Every not- week, good fight after good fight after good fight after good fight. Most, most weekend nights now, we're getting two, three good cards yes, on, on a weekend. So... Man, it's it's nice to see um nice to see come together. Now it's just now it's travel time. And to get out to all these fights and, and make dollars make sense. Listen, it's a lot of money in our pockets. I'm not mad at it. So boxing keeps rolling them out. That is going to be good. Uh MMA is another thing where it seems like we're getting the return to Conor McGregor. But at least we think we are. We think we are. Unless the Irish Police have something to say about it. Um, Conor McGregor over... Well, yesterday, he announced that he would announce that he was going to fight again and when. And then the announcement came early this morning uh, when he was talking to a very select amount of media in Russia and said that he'll be back Vegas January 18th, which I might just have to come out for. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you know it's, and we'll see. It's it's Connor. He says um, reports have it that Cowboy and Gaethje are finalists for that fight. Obviously, I think it's smarter to fight Cowboy. Uh, I think it's a safer fight. We saw what Justin Gaethje just did. You know, get back in the pool and kind of get your feet wet. And then he said he wants the winner of this BMF fight, which may or may not happen at this point. So we'll see. And he just tweeted out. What, 20 minutes ago, right before we started this, 30 minutes ago? He's like, see you guys soon. He's on the real BMF of fighters and did this whole Twitter rant. He said, see you soon. So maybe he's a guy looking to step in, even though it seems like they have a replacement already. Yeah, Connor's not fighting on this this card. Um, uh, the January card makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that Connor has been saying and doing that we look at as reckless behavior. Obviously, sexual assault is reckless behavior. Um, but when it comes to him talking about, I need to be more active, I want fights, I believe him when he says those things. Yeah. Because I truly think that where Conor McGregor is at in his career right now, with all this money, I think he's kind of bored. And that's what's getting him into trouble. And the fact that he doesn't have anything lined up of, of what he loves to do is problematic for him. Uh, so he wants to get back in there. I think January 18th makes a lot of sense. The UFC would be fools to not give Conor McGregor that date. Uh, it's... I think it's weird to have two guys who just fought and one that got blitzed at being the finalist for a Conor McGregor fight. But hey, Conor can fight a brick wall and people are going to tune in. So that'd be two back to back Vegas events too. Yeah, I mean, look, man, I'm I'm here for it. Wonder why? Because Vegas hasn't had a lot of fights recently. Like no. we just we haven't had a lot of fights. So yeah, like we're not getting a year end fight. We're getting the December 14th card. Which is super loaded, by the way, including a Jose Aldo 135, which looks absolutely bizarre. For some race, right? Yeah. That's a, a hell- scary fight. It's a scary fight. I just need Jose Aldo make weight. But, um, but to turn right around and get Connor out there, I'm here for it. I think it makes sense. Connor needs to fight. He needs to, excuse me, he needs to fight for his own sanity. So at this point in his career, you know, he can't be sitting on the shelf. And if it has to be against Justin Gates, if he thinks he's the real BMF, Put him in with Gaethje. I need to find that out. I need to find that out. Yeah. I mean, Gaethje is beatable. It's just never easy. It's never, you, you have to be a different level of person to withstand that. 
especially for five rounds. The guy's a zombie, and I, I don't think Connor is that person. To be fair, I think Gaethje's probably the biggest threat to Khabib, too. I mean, I said the same thing. It's the leg kicks. It's a lot of things that Gaethje possesses that style-wise is trouble. And for McGregor, I don't know how he'll deal with those leg kicks. That's the, the thing I worry about more than anything else with Conor. He's good at with the wide stance and he shoots a straight left hand if you throw a leg kick because he's got range. Yeah. Gaethje's not going to try to take him down. Well, no. But in that, well, he might. But at lightweight... I don't know how much bigger Connor will be because Connor's had that advantage where he can shoot that straight left against featherweights because he's taller and longer than him. Gage is a pretty big dude, so yeah, but he's not Nate Diaz alone. Like Connor's, if you're any type of short and stocky, like if you have a normal reach, Connor finds his way in. Yeah, so that's so I'm intrigued. I want this fight to happen. I don't want it to be Cowboy. I just it kind of Cowboy just got ran over. I, I really don't think it makes sense. If you're trying to put Connor back into title contention, if that's where he wants to be, for him to be fighting Cowboy Cerrone. If he just wants to fight to make money, then sure. Yeah. But I or really just to get back and be active. Like, if he's really trying to fight three times in the year, uh, a reintroduction fight against Cowboy isn't that bad. Because then you roll him back out around May, and you say, all right, let's do it again. See, I, I, again, I just don't think that's what Connor wants. I don't think Conor wants a so-called soft touch. He wants something that's going to get him immediately back in the title contention. For better or worse, that's what Conor wants. Yeah. I don't think it's the right move. I'm just saying I think when if you ask Conor what he wants, the first thing he'll say is, I want Khabib. That would be the first fight he wants. But he's not going to get that. So he's got to take the next best, best thing, which I think is going to be Justin Gaethje. Yeah, I can't, <laughs> can't disagree. That will be one hell of a fight. I'll tell you that much. And it's going to be fun. And just the highlight reels prior, the trash talk. I I don't even care who wins that fight. To be honest, it, it's good all the way around. No matter how that plays out. So that would be really dope. So that still leaves 244 coming up in a week at this point. A little over a week. And Nate Diaz says he's out because of a test. We'll see. Because if this puts a fire under USADA's ass and they have to test the B sample and it comes back clean... Because Nate is, I mean, adamant that nothing he's taken is tainted at all. And he's not a cheater. He's not a steroid guy. He wouldn't, you know, play nice and keep quiet and just wait until after the fight and have stuff tested. He wasn't playing that game. He found out. He blasted it out. He said, no, let's get to the bottom of it now or I'm not fighting. Um, so we'll, we'll see. It really shines a light on the whole side of process, which a I mean, couple of fighters complained about. Um, but no one of this magnitude and to this extent. I mean, we all knew Assad is a little bit of a mess. Like it's it's clear that that's what the problem is, and the the how long it takes for the samples to come back, the drug testing process. It's always been a mess, and now it's just a fight that's going to really affect the UFC's bottom line because this is clearly one of their biggest fights of the year. And if this blows up in their face the same weekend as Canelo Kovalev, I mean, dude, they're screwed. So. We shall see. Yeah, they, shall. they lose a lot of money with a, you know, another marquee fight that costs a lot less on at the same time. So you, they really have to put something in there um, or someone in there that, that'll sell. Obviously, there's a couple of names already. Uh, let's see, who was it? I think Leon has been mentioned. Yeah, Leon Edwards. But who wants to see that in the main event? Of yeah, a pay-per-view. It doesn't doesn't do quite the same. I mean, you have the three-piece and a soda. 
Yeah, I mean, that's great. It's a co-main event. It's not a pay-per-view main event that's going to make me buy a pay-per-view. No. Um, the co-main, as it stands, is Gaslam, Darren Till. So, well, I mean, we have fights to pick next week. The Black Beast is on here as well versus Ivanov. It's a really good card. Kevin Lee is on here against uh, Gregor Gillespie, which is another tough-ass fight for Kevin Lee. No no favors ever for Kevin Lee. Um, Johnny Walker is on this card. Walker Corey Anderson is pretty much a number one contender fight. Mm, Dominic Reyes is the number one contender. But oh, yeah. Dominic Reyes, yes. Who just, uh, perfect, It just came off a big win last week at UFC Boston, where, for my money, Chris Wyman's done. Chris says otherwise. Um, Depends on what you mean by done. Don't, like, <laughs> the chin never recovers. He can go out. I'm not even sure if he can be... A, a 300 fighter now. Like, it, if you're telling me, I don't know if he can win two fights out of five. See, Chris Weidman's been in this tough spot because while I agree with you to this extent, like Chris Weidman, he's clearly not the same guy. And we talked about it last week. I figured that Reyes would get to him because Chris has fallen in love with the striking, blah, 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 blah. Um, Chris hasn't used his wrestling, but... Chris has been matched up really tough for the past, like, three years. All he's t- faced was top guys. So if you take him down a notch and you, he fights, like, a lower-end-ranked guy, then you can kind of really see where he's at because he wants to fight. He just may not be fighting for a title anymore. But Chris Wyatt is not a guy, I don't think, who's, like, sitting at home filthy rich. I think he kind of needs to fight. Yeah. I mean, you look at Luke Rockhold, and Luke's like, nah, I'm not doing it anymore. Luke doesn't need to. Luke is over here going to be like in surfer magazines and shit. Yeah, like three years ago, I mean, these guys were the, the creme de la creme. Danny Acosta thought Luke Rockhold had what it took to be the best fighter in the UFC. I, dude, I agree. At, at yeah, a point, lot of people, a lot of people did. It wasn't when he came over from the strike force. I thought Luke Rockhold was the guy. Like I thought he would be the guy before Weidman got to Anderson Silva. I thought it was going to be Luke Rockhold. He had the, the striking tools. He had great grappling. He had tremendous size. He looked like a star in the making. Man, no. no TRT like Belfort to... really did him in on that one, too. TRT Belfort did him in uh, when when Weidman was replaced by Michael Bisping and Bisping blew him up. That really ended it. That was it. Uh, and, you know, here we are. Like you said, these two guys that were sitting on top of the middleweight division, now they're basically non-factors as light heavyweights. So... I don't know what you do with either guy, but it should, it's telling because MMA is just a cruel sport, man. It happens so quick. When it goes, it goes. I mean, look, dude, this weekend, Roy McDonald's fighting Douglas Lehman in the finals of the, uh, of the Bellator Welterweight Grand Prix. And if Rory loses, he's kind of already mentioned that he's going to go into, like, God and church and all that stuff. I don't think Rory McDonald is 30 yet. That's crazy. He's the, not the 30? Cat. I don't think he is. That's I think he, nuts. I need to double check, and I'm going to do that while we're sitting here talking about it. But I, I think my man is still like relatively. I mean, I know he's still young in the sport, and the fact that he's, I don't know if I want to do. He just turned thirty. He th- turned thirty in July. It's crazy that he's already talking about retiring. It's a cruel sport. It is a very cruel sport. Here we are. Guys, you know, guys are in and out. That's why you look at guys like Adesanya or you guys like John Jones who have been here for a long time, Daniel Cormier. Kudos to them because when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside, 
No racist Hulk Hogan, but it's over. It is over. <laughs> it is over. Um, Frank Mir versus Roy Nelson this weekend too. Don't don't sell when your, it comes your... down. And it, <laughs> it's like those two guys. I don't think they've won a meaningful fight between them in the last fifteen fights. No, I don't think so. And That's a, the best thing we can hope is that it doesn't go into the second round. Yeah. That's just going to be a sad, sad sight. So, yeah, that's bananas. Um, let's talk about pro wrestling. It's the last thing on the docket. Um, I want to start off on a good note. How about that? A little change of pace. And talk about last night's or uh, Wednesday's AEW versus NXT cards. Um, head to head again, Wednesday Night Wars. Another solid week. For both shows, I thought. thought NXT was a little better, but we're splitting hairs here. I, I thought both shows were really good. AEW just had a couple weird things to me. And one um, being the Cody brawl, which I, I like the Dippin' Dots thing. And Jericho's hilarious. But it started off with a no, another WWE mention. And like another pot shot. Like... I, I'm at a point where I'm tired of it. It's cool. Just be you. I don't mind this, though. And here's the reason why I didn't mind this one in particular. Like, there were, there were actually a couple shots. Like, Jericho mentioning his scarf, I thought was hilarious. Who wears a scarf? Talking about MJF? Mm -hmm. You did. <laughs> but, but you can't, like, you can't really, uh, this is, it, it, you can't really have this Jericho-Cody thing without acknowledging that they both came from the WWE. Like, it's there. It's like the elephant in the room. And if you're purposefully avoiding it, at some point it's going to come up. And this particular angle is they were taking they took a shot at WWE. Yeah. I mean, dude, Seth Rollins just called them the minor leagues last week. So yeah, the WWE is the bear, but it's not like Jericho and Cody are just gonna be quiet about it. They're gonna say something else. And this was one that is kind of true. Like you can talk up there and there's no there's no invisible wall. I can come down there and I can fight you. And it led to an excellently well-handled brawl. I didn't mind this. I didn't mind this at all. I do mind when it's like... I thought it would have been fine without that mention. Like, it's, it's cool, but sooner or later, like, good, just stand on your own. Because then you're just, you're highlighting comparisons, and sometimes you do corny shit that you're accusing them of doing. Like, DDP, like, okay. Like, another guy? Like, another WCW hero? That you're parading out, I, I'm good on that. Like, let's just focus on the talent. MJF is a fucking star. Let's just focus on that guy. Yeah, it, again, this didn't bother me. It, it, there's sometimes when they say things that I'm like, ah, yeah, no, this one didn't bother me. I'm, I was fine. I'm totally fine with how this was played out because it was, it was a light tap. It was acknowledging something because, dude, the thing is, is that WWE is the industry, and there's really nothing you can do to avoid the fact that WWE is the industry. And they're going to, the fact that Rollins and, you know, it's just been this back and forth, it's not really going to go away. So they're going to poke. They're going to poke fun at each other. As long as it's not like every goddamn segment or every week, if they do it again next week, it's like, all right, now you got to chill. But this, like, again, I enjoyed the brawl. I thought the brawl was great. I thought this was handled well. Yeah, no, I, I like the brawl itself. You know, putting Jericho's face in a bunch of dipping dots is amazing. And the I mean, dipping dots tweets were hilarious, too. Listen, this is, there is a thing, like somebody I mentioned, 
that this is what happens when you make Jericho your top guy. And somebody responded on Twitter and was like, Jericho was the top guy in WWE. No, he wasn't. No, not well. He was at once upon a time. He was. He was never the top guy. Never. He was the first what undisputed champion. Like and, and he held CM, all the belts. And CM Punk was also the longest reigning heavyweight champion. And but he didn't main event pay per views. So no, Jericho wasn't the top guy. As long as Austin and Rock existed in Cena, Jericho. I mean, he was never the top guy. It's really simple. He was never the top guy. No, he wasn't the one of one. It, so he's the top guy now. But that's not the dilemma. The dilemma is saying that Jericho wasn't the top guy in WWE, and this is why he's doing this. The thing is, is that Jericho has just always been this good. Jericho in programs in the WWE carried those programs with Shawn Michaels, with Christian, with, with you know Kevin Owens. Like Jericho has constantly, for the entirety of his career, made programs great. That's just what he does. And now we're just seeing it where there's nothing – Else, it's bigger on the show than Jericho. Yeah. And Cody, who's the hottest babyface, maybe in professional wrestling right now, because there's no way, like, just simply over, not talent wise, but just a guy that everybody adores. And they yeah. have this really His hot fans too. Definitely. Yeah, like, so Jericho is just, he, he's just money, man. Like, when you, when you pull the string on Jericho and let it rip, just like Paul Heyman is always money when he speaks, Jericho's the same way. I, I agree. The only drawback on that and which it wasn't for me just playing devil advocate and what other people see that i can understand is that jericho will forever be money but the guy's 49 what does that so mean you're, you're hitching your wagon the the best guy in your company and kenny omega's we're gonna talk probably the best wrestler in the world but the best guy in your company overall is chris jericho and he's 49 what does that say about your company Says your company it recognizes talent. Uh, I, see, people that say this shit about the, him being old, dude, the WWE is still trotting Undertaker out there. And Undertaker's like a thousand years old. But he's old. not their number one guy. Like, to your who point, he's not the number one guy. But who is the number one guy right now? Brock Lesnar is the number one guy. Is he? Yeah, I mean, is that under. Uh, how is that disputed? Yes, he's the number one guy. You wouldn't say that Seth Rollins is the, their number one guy right now? No. No, I, I'd say Brock is more. Protected. I, I think Brock moved to SmackDown. Seth didn't. I, I think Brock is their number one. Brock has Heyman, like you mentioned. His promos are always over the top and gold. Um, they give him the fuse that are needed. I, I think Brock Lesnar is the number one guy in the WWE. And here's why I dispute that. And I, I totally understand what you're saying. Brock Lesnar's more special attraction. Brock Lesnar's not carrying the WWE right now. So you're saying like Jericho weekly basis? Yeah, like every he's there yeah, every yeah. week carrying like he's basically like the show house shows that they had them. He'd be closing them. Yeah, he's so like guy. Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins is like the number one guy in WWE right now at Which this particular tough. time. Yeah, because he's not over and, as a babyface. Yeah, but yeah, but but Rollins is just he's corny. Like you, I heel Rollins, heel corny Rollins was pretty damn good. Hill Corny Rollins was fun, but right now Rollins is cringy. Like yeah. the things he's doing is cringy. But I think you can't be upset. We're not even upset. You can't take away from the fact that, like, are they supposed to move, make Jericho not the number one guy right now? I, I thought it was a good decision, personally. I, I just because like, people say, oh, I don't think old. you need it for the long run. Like he's and again, that's just what people are saying. So I had to play both sides. 
But in my mind, he's 49. But at 50, 51, is he going to be champion? No. So just make your good first impression. You only need him to be really good at 49. Like, if he doesn't make it to 50, then he doesn't make it to 50. But you kick it off as, as strong as you can. And he just gave them a plethora of options for people to chase him. Like, so Hulk Hogan, when he turned heel in the NWO, Hogan was uh, 46, I believe. 40, 45 or 46 he when he turned way heel. way older than that, which is crazy. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, you got to go with what you know and, like, what works. In AEW's case, the most important thing is the recognition. Like, everybody knows Jericho. You can't hide him. That doesn't make any – like, if you made MJF the face of your company right now, people would just turn it off because people don't know who MJF is. They wouldn't tune in to see him. Like, Jericho is your gateway to all this talent. So now that you – like, if you're a Laps fan and you're like, oh, Jericho's still wrestling, and you turn it on, and then you're like, man, this MJF guy is amazing, or these Lucha Bros are amazing, or the Private Party, or Scorpio's – like, he's your gateway into establishing your company as a, as a thing. Yeah. Like, that's kind of what Impact tried to do when they brought in, like, Kurt Angle, which was amazing, but Dixie Carter was a fucking moron and just ruined TNA. <laughs> but they were, they were building guys up underneath talent. Yeah, Perk Angle. In, yeah, they just brought in too many guys because then they had, like, the main event mafia and it was, like, a, then it was Hogan and Bishop. I was like, stop. Like, you could bring in one or two that, you know, that you propped up the AJ Styles because AJ Styles was, the, was their guy. Yeah. The same thing with AEW with Chris Jericho. Um... If it isn't Adam Page, which I don't think it is, no. I think you roll like like whoever your ne- the next up guy is because it's not even Cody. It, it may not even be Kenny. Like you have to br- the you have sooner to- or later it has to be Kenny. I mean, yeah, but it's sooner or later mean- the best wrestler in the world should kind of be positioned to be your main guy. It doesn't have to be right off the bat, but it's the Bret Hart effect. Like sooner or later, you have to get comfortable enough enough in front of the camera to cut these promos, to do the things, to make you the number one guy, because if not, you're just a really good wrestler. Like, well, I, I don't know if that's going to work in the long run. Like, sooner or later, well, you've got to be that guy. Well, I think the issue, I think the smart thing that AEW's playing now is like, I want to say the detractors are trying to use it against it now, is everybody when AEW first started was like, oh, they're just going to put over their own guys, and they're not doing that. Mm-hmm. They're not putting over Omega. The Bucks lost in the tournament. Cody should lose this match against Jericho. Um, so I think Omega's eventually going to get his hands on the belt, but he's not the future of the company. Like, if you start to think long-term, you got to find guys who you believe are the future of the company. Yeah. And I think, you know, we see guys like Darby Allen, Orange Cassidy. Right. Um, Joey Janela. We, we see these guys who are legit. Like, I, they can grow into something. And then you keep bringing the next wave and the next wave and the next wave. And, um... I, I fully expect what's what the pay per view is a month from now. I fully expect uh, Marty Skrull to make his debut at that pay per view. Well, a full gear is like two weeks from now. Yeah, so give two weeks. I think Skrull yeah. is 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 making his debut, well, and that's another guy you can hang your hat on. His contract's not up yet. I thought it was up in November. Mm, I don't think it's. I think it's. Uh, I have to double check. But from what I last found out, I think it's after full gear. Um, but yeah, we all expect Marty to show up. But yeah, to your point, you're establishing new guys. So anybody that's like critical of Jericho carrying the title, I like. I don't know what you want. Like, it just doesn't make any sense to have somebody else carry the title right now. Jericho is the right guy. Adam, if Adam Page was carrying the title, we wouldn't be watching AEW. Like everybody wouldn't be tuning in every no. week. You wouldn't be entertained. 
Jericho's entertaining. Yeah. Period. And I, I like the faction um, around that. Inner Circle's great. Like, people were like, oh, it's like MAGA. Do you guys recognize there's two Puerto Ricans in the group? No? Yeah, All right. MAGA. And there's another Spanish kid. There's more Spanish people than white That's people. That's what I'm saying. You got <laughs> Spanish, <bro. laughs> And you got the, the wrestlers formerly known as LAX. Yeah. Like, like, what the fuck are y'all talking no, about? Yeah, there's more Spanish people than white people. They just, uh, it's just an odd collective of people. Yeah. But, but they're making it work. It's like, no, it's, they're, I don't know, like the evil super friends. I don't know. What is that? The League of Doom? Whatever. It's, yep. it's what they are. Cool. Um, and, you know, maybe they bring other people in and turn them. And it becomes like this whole thing. So I don't I don't mind building a strong stable right out the gate. And that's kind of New Japan-ish, right? Where yeah. you're just like, yo, no, we have a stable and New Japan doesn't give a fuck. They're just like, yo, come over. You're in this stable. You're in this stable. You're in this stable. And you look up and LIJ is like the oddest collection of people. Yeah, but it works. But it works. And then somehow, like, Suzuki and like, in Zack Sabre Jr. are together. Like, it's the stables work. So, um, yeah, I feel like they're doing that. And I'm mad at it. On the other end of things, we have NXT, which I think put together the best show front to back this week. I thought NXT was excellent. I thought NXT, with the exception of the Forgotten Sons, who I clearly don't give a shit about. I don't think um, anyone does. But AEW had the Dark Order at the same time. Well, that's <laughs> you were just saying. like, we don't give a fuck about either of these teams. They are, both promotions are adamant about putting those teams <laughs> open. Fortunately, the Dark Order lost in that tournament, so they're out. Um, but Forgotten Sons, same thing. It's like, those two teams are just two teams they are going to keep pushing, and I don't care. But with, with what you're saying, NXT had a great show, man. Like, um... I, I'm just kind of waiting for the Leo Rush heel turn again because he's just remarkable as a heel, and I think it's inevitable. Uh, giving Swerve Strickland, you know, his time, perfect. Dude, he was the star of that match. Fantastic. Dude, use it right. Use it Riker as a springboard. What's excellent? Yep. Um, what else do we have on the show before we get to the main event? Oh, uh, we had the women's match, which oh. kicked it off. Dude, look, Bianca listen, Bianca Belair. Really? Yeah. See, there were people that were like, and to your, like you've said this for weeks, and to your point, um, NXT by far is in pro wrestling. Yeah. And this was like a microcosm of that because Ripley and Belair was a match that a lot of us thought, all right, Belair's probably going to put Ripley over so you can get to the Shayna Baszler match. But there were so many storylines that were kind of weeding their way through this match that I was fine with like the running stuff because Io Shirai had been threatened by Ripley. And then you have Candice, who still has unfinished business with EO. Shane is just kind of looking at all this shit. Was like, well, one of you guys is going to fight me. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's deep. It's deep and it's entertaining and it's it's great. Like the women of NXT are excellent. This is an excellent group of women. They're yeah, great. Women's tag match, which was quick, thankfully. Thank God. They even they, did right they, by that. They didn't give us a fifteen minute match. It was yeah, a quick in and out. My only minor complaint, and it's a minor one. Is if they think that Full Sail is going to boo the Kabuki Warriors, they've got another thing coming. Yeah. Because they are going to get a hero spell. Yeah, that's that's going to be tough for the heel faction. They just got to keep doing heel shit. Um, and which I will. They will. I mean, we'll probably get the green mist. Who knows? But the crowd, yeah, the crowd's going to love them. So it's going to be a good match. And that's what they counted on. Um, we had what I think was probably the best match top to bottom. Um, 
which was the Riddle versus I forgot what the hell they're calling him now. Cameron Grimes. Cam- Cameron Grimes. Um, I thought that was a really good match. Yeah, a yes. little bit better than the triple threat. Oh, uh, I really like that triple threat. I don't, I gotta watch him again. Yeah, see, I, I really see. I'm gonna. Wa- I'm watching NXT again because I was. I had split screen, so I was watching yeah. too many things at once. Uh, um, but the but riddle I'm match like, was dope. And yeah. Grimes versus uh, Grimes setting up his next feud was genius. Yeah, look, there's a couple things about Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's excellent wrestling. Before the match started, I was like, Riddle's in this really weird place because he lost to Adam Cole, uh, but his trolling of Goldberg is phenomenal. <laughs> like, he was, the bro hammer? What? And then, like, the Riddle <laughs> chance? Like, this was great. Grimes needed to lose this match, which I'm perfectly fine with because the wrestler formerly known as Trevor Lee is going to eventually have to lose. Can't squash everybody. Uh, but setting up a Tyler Bate Grimes feud, like everything worked. That's going to be a good match. Everything worked. Like everything NXT did worked this week. Cruiserweight number one contender now. Yeah. Um, which Garza's really good. He is. He's like, been on 205 Live tearing that shit up. Um, him and. Uh, Fuck, I just want to call him Ultimo Ninja, but it's uh, Humberto Carrillo, yeah. which people saw against Seth Rollins. They've been tearing 205 Live up lately. Yeah, they do. They have great talent. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, let's talk about this North American title match. Like, Roddy, like the No I, shenanigans, first and foremost, which I like. No shenanigans. No shenanigans, but it was, it, it was the weasel way out, which we kind of all expected, that Roddy was going to steal the pin from one of those two giants after they beat the shit out of each other. Yeah. But it was well done, and it was entertaining, and the powerbomb superplex spot was absolutely ridiculous. Oh, my God. You should knock Keith Lee out the ring. He's <laughs> <It, it's> like, <laughs> he hit the powerbomb and fell back through the ropes. That shit was crazy. And cutting the commercial after that was the most fluid thing I saw all week in pro wrestling. Because yeah. they hit that spot, he fell through the ropes, and it was like, boom, full commercial. Not the stupid little box. Oh, man. This, and you just was... left like, holy shit, did I just see that? So this this was well done. and it, I mean, dude, we're running yeah. out of time. Yeah, but, let's but get... the, the best part, Finn Balor comes dude. out, and one, Tommaso Ciampa comes out, then we get the the reveal that you know what Johnny Gargano, the the love hate relationship between them continues, and Gargano comes out to back him up. We think we're getting the build to a war games between the undisputed era, which we said on the show last week. You're like, oh, it's gonna be war games, Finn Balor, Gargano, blah blah. Those four versus those four. We know how it's gonna go. And Finn Balor comes out. He starts taking off the jacket to brawl, and the Pele kick heard around the world. So, yeah, for those of you that have seen my article about the art of the heel turn, um, I'm going to preface it with this because heel turns happen a lot in pro wrestling. And a lot of them we see coming and we appreciate. Like when we saw Bailey turn on Becky, we were like, yeah, it's about goddamn time. Or when we saw Becky turn on Charlotte, we were like, yeah, about the, it's about time because it needed to happen. But for the most part, heel turns happen and we kind of see them coming. So they lack the effect of surprise. And I, I referenced Hogan earlier in this conversation because I wanted to bring it up. Because when Hogan turned on Savage, we were in awe because nobody saw it coming. The Finn Balor heel turn was one of the most expertly handled heel turns we've seen in a long time. Because they created a fog of, of 
of misdirection with the war game setup because those of us who thought we're like fantasy bookers were like, yeah, we, I see what they're doing there. We were wrong. All the while, they've been telling this story about Ballard. He, he cut his hair. He's been wearing all black. He hasn't been seen on television. But we, we took for granted the fact that maybe a guy who has never turned heel, it's not like the big show who turned heel every goddamn week. It wasn't like that. It was a guy who's been a babyface since the moment he arrived at NXT, showing up to help some guys against the, the hottest heel faction, probably in WWE right now, in the Undisputed Era. And he comes out, stands next to Gargano, begins to remove his jacket, and hits a Pele kick. And it was just like, dude, if you watch the crowd when this happens, there's a moment of silence where it's settling in like, oh, shit, he's just turned heel. I'll tell you my thought process was because when they attacked Keith Lee, I was like, oh, man, Keith Lee and Dominic Dijakovic are going to be a tag team. They're going to chase the Undisputed Era. That was my first thought. That still might happen. It still might happen, but that was my first thought when they jumped him. I was like, oh, that's what's going to happen. Second thought was, oh, yeah, Ciampa, Gargano. And I was like, man, Gargano, he's kind of dumb. He's coming out there. He doesn't necessarily know if Ciampa's going to be on his side. He knows he's not. He's against the Undisputed Era. He could get jumped. That was my second thought. My third thought was, where's Velveteen Dream? He should be involved in this because then it makes kind of a war games thing. I didn't necessarily expect Ballard to come out, but when he came out, I was like, oh, that's going to complete the cipher. We got four on four war games complete misdirection they handled the heel turn he used the bloody sunday on the ramp right like there was everything that was I've been so waiting for that too like heel balor with bloody sunday so much better. Dude, more importantly for those of you who never watched prince devon prince devon was a douchebag in new japan an absolute douchebag when he went and turned on uh who did he turn on first before he went after tanahashi Oh, God, I can't even think of his tactic. Taguchi. Um, he turned to Gucci because he wanted to be a dick because he wanted to be a heavyweight. Yep. And, and he started to become a real jerk. And Bad Luck Fale joined him. He started riding Fale's shoulders to the ring, wore the lit up j- jacket before Jericho did. He was a dick. This is everything about that. And now, most importantly, which I don't think anybody's really thought about yet, the body paint takes a whole new spin. It may not even be the demon. It's just something more sinister now. Yep. So now this is the embodiment of evil. Look, there have been heel turns in pro wrestling, but this one, this one was the chef's kiss of heel turns. This was expertly handled, and it happened after AEW went off the air, which made it so much better. That extra fifteen minutes is the best decision they've made. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And was- the numbers are out for both. Allegedly, I'm not talking numbers no more. Both were great. Um, I can't, I can't wait. I'm so glad they did this heel turn. In NXT and not on the main roster, too. Absolutely. Because I, I think Finn goes back eventually around Mania time, but I think he goes back with this. And if you pair this with a ready heel, AJ Styles, and the club, I, I think you get a twinge there. I, I think you get something that can be really dope. But I'm, dude, I am perfectly fine with Finn Balor never going back to Raw SmackDown. Perfectly fine with this. I'm perfectly fine with. NXT, the WWE settling in and say, you know what? Let's just let NXT continue to grow. Let's not move these guys. Let's just continue to build off the momentum that the Wednesday Night Wars are really giving us. Because SmackDown and Raw suck. Yeah. They've, they've, drifted, they've drifted back into what they w- once were. Well, actually, I, this Raw made a point to have better matches. Now, yeah, the, writing, the writing and feud still suck. I'll give you that. Suck. And suck. 
your your point is always correct when you talk about these Saudi Arabia shows, which it throws shit all out of whack. And it's horrible because they're booking for these Saudi Arabia shows instead of just letting them happen. So a lot of the booking is stupid. The cuckold angles is stupid. But in ring, they had some good matches this week. It's it's just the problem with Raw is it's three hours. And it's three hours and it feels like three hours. And if, if I feel like I'm watching three hours, like I never feel like I'm watching two hours of Wednesday night between NXT and AEW. I just don't feel it. Like I, I'm enjoying what I'm watching. But Raw is just too long. And it's just too many storylines. It's too many it's too many sponsors. It's too many Saudi Arabia. It's too, it's too much like Ricochet is your resident superhero being said over and over and over again in the match. Like I don't want that. I just want pro wrestling. And that's what NXT and AEW are giving us right now. And like and on the SmackDown side of things, it's like, dog, y'all had one job. It's to just get us engaged again. And y'all are right back to being Diet Raw all over again. Again, quick, fast. So I don't want to see Balor back in either of those brands. Because I feel like he'll, he'll be right back in the mid-card mix. He'll be jobbing out to somebody here. He just feels like a top guy again. And I'm fine with that. <sighs> yeah, I guess... Yeah, what can it, he's going to be a top guy there, right? Like, he might get his first five-star match against Gargano at this point. But I don't know. What what does it matter for Finn if he doesn't take that back with him? I mean... For the main yeah. roster guys, Breezango, what does it mean if they don't carry this back with them? Because, dude, what happens? They go back to the, to the Raw and SmackDown. And they just do what they were doing before. It's what always happens. They don't come back as like these refreshed guys with like a new run. Like Raw and SmackDown are going to have their guys. Yeah. And that's evident. Like they're just going to run with Rollins, Reigns, and Lesnar and a few other Finn guys. Finn has had several pushes though. So I mean Finn's not like Apollo Crews doing this. Like Finn what? is still legit. Like he had the huge minion moments. He had the demon. Like Finn is still Finn. But do you have any confidence that they would put him back in the title picture or put him back in a, me- a really meaningful If he's with AJ Styles in the club, I can see them all holding belts. But that's the only way. But see, I don't, I don't think they'll do that. I just – I don't trust them is, is what I'm saying. I guess with so many – so much talent on the roster, with this robust roster, and there's not really tiers. Like there's only one tier, which is like the elite, and then there's just like everybody else. Because like this – like Lashley, Rusev – Drew McIntyre, um, Heavy Machinery, like they do these programs and they kind of like drift back into relative obscurity. Like Shinsuke Nakamura is a guy who, is, if he was back in NXT, he'd be great. Or dude, Kevin Owens, a guy who's one minute it feels like he's nearing the top of the picture, and then he gets pushed away and you don't see him for weeks, and then he shows up as the mystery tag t- partner for the Street Profits when it felt like it didn't even make sense. Crowd was I, into it though. They warmed up to the Street Profits as it went along. I mean, Street Profits are fine, but are, are you confident that the Street Profits can get like a long-term run? Mm, just, the turn, uh, the, yeah, that's what I'm saying. The turnover. A little just, more confident than I should be. I would say that. It's just, it's a lot, man. It's it's a, it's a lot, and I don't want to. I don't need to see Ballad because I need NXT to establish itself as a true third brand that is is servicing a crowd like us who enjoys pro wrestling without all the bullshit and shenanigans. Let him stay there. Let, I mean, let's be real. WrestleMania is the spectacle that we go to every year, but we all look forward to TakeOver. Oh, every year. <laughs> Without a doubt. Like, none of us go to WrestleMania and was like, yo, this is going to be a great... Like, we look at it, we go, man, this shit is about to be long as hell. That's the first thing we all say. 
we go because the spectacle, the ring entrances, maybe a few matches are great here and there. But aside from that, TakeOver is where it's at for the WWE. So let's let Finn stay there. Establish them as a third brand. Don't use them as any type of minor leagues to move people around. I don't think we don't need it. No, not we, at all. We don't need it. No, I agree. Um, we'll see. We'll see what they do uh, going forward. I thought it was a good week in pro wrestling outside of that. Um, when we come back next week, like I said, this is this is the home stretch for 2019. We are slammed with fights and wrestling and pay-per-views. I think by the time we get back next week, we'll have the Saudi Arabia card behind us. Thank God. So we'll see what happened with Cain Velasquez in a title match. We'll see what Tyson Fury actually does. He got jumped by Braun Strowman. Out of the blue, there's a, a million battle royals at that thing this year. So, I mean, it, but it comes on so early, we're going to watch it. So I, I might actually, I'll be in Vegas, I have nothing to do. I might just come by your crib and watch it if you are at home. Yeah. I don't know. We got fight week. It's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. We'll oh, yeah. It's it. fight week, so I don't even know. Um, but, yeah, maybe we'll just post up and get the MG, trick the MGM people to put it on the screen or something <laughs> for us uh, and just have them in agony as well. So, yeah, man, that's that's it our show this week. Thank you guys for listening to another great and long show. Um, follow us on social media at The Corner LSN on all platforms. Me at Kel Dansby, him at Andreas Hale. Until next week. We're out. And, and listen, before I actually end on that, I know this is usually where I end. We're working on something big um, for the show. And then either next week or the week after, something really fun might even make it into special episodes. So we'll see without giving too much away. We got something special for you guys. So we'll let that develop. The old man has to get back to work. So do I. We're out. Peace. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.